You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Coming to you from Magnified Cemeteries, Magnified Pod presents Magnified Pod, covering your favorite indie horror bands from the Christian alternative scene. Put your tape deaths on record. I am Count Andrew. And I am John O'Lantern. <laughs> That's the best I could do it. I'm pretty sure I did it last year. Yeah, it's fine. Well, I think I did count Andrew last year too. This yeah, is our podcast. Classic. Yes. And this is episode two of Magnifrite Pod. Mm. Back talking all things spooky for the month of oh, October. Yeah. Uh, John, how is your uh, October, the beginning of your spooky season starting off? You know... I wish I could dedicate more of my time to all things spooky, but I got to squeeze it in. Yep. You know, kids go to bed, do some dishes. Jenny wants to watch Gilmore Girls for the 50th time. So <laughs> 11 o'clock, I might start something, you know, fall asleep half an hour in. So each day I'm getting in little little bits and pieces. Um, I mean, the caffeine you know, the, uh, consumption of, uh, of Lorelai and Rory is pretty spooky. And it's it's, so, it's a lot of coffee. What's more, what's more terrifying than their in their caloric and caffeine intake <laughs> um, on that show? Good jokes. Um, I, I I know it's I know it's more terrifying. Uh, the way all of the men have like emotional abuse issues. Yeah, they're like always yelling and flipping out all the time. Yeah, I mean, I will say Jess matures. Eventually. Jess, Jess is I stand Jess. I'm Team Jess. Yeah. He, he seems like he'd be on the pod at some point. <laughs> he probably listened to some Mercury Radio Theater at some point in his life. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but, uh, you know, we got the get the spooky decorations up. Um, I We've totally changed course on costumes now. I know I said, uh, you know, possibly Harry Potter, um, some other stuff. But Elliot got the Mandalorian costume. He's been talking about Mandalorian for a long time, so... That's where we're at. I know we did Star Wars last year, but I was like trying to get Milo to be Grogu to be a little baby Yoda to go along with him. Milo's not interested. He was like, I want, can you, can you search the scariest costume in the world? <laughs> I was like, sure. <laughs> so he really was pushing for one of those costumes where like you're holding your head and your hands oh, sh- and there's no head sure. up top. And he was like, I want that. We were like, I don't think that would be cool. It's cool for you to wear that thing. Um, so anyway, he's pushing. He's pushing hard. Scary. I think I'm gonna be Grogu. Nice. He'll be Mandalorian, and uh, yeah. Anyway, we're we're getting things nailed down. I've gotten some good spooky content, but you know, I gotta I gotta start hitting it harder. How about you? 
Well, as you know, with your assistance, mm. uh, Kristen and I, which was her birthday yesterday, we uh, watched The Shining because mm. we were first looking time for, for her. The first time for her. Um, yeah, the <laughs> I think the only scene that she had ever seen, uh, which has no no context no context to it, uh, is when when Jack goes into room two thirty seven. And with like the, the woman getting out of the bathtub, it's a terrifying scene. It's a really weird scene, and yeah, the first time I saw that, and then like he pulls away, and it's like the decaying. But I'm just like, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it. it but, but then, but then after you know, after the movie, I was like, Kristen, darling, light of my <laughs> light life. My she's life. Like, she's like, no, don't do not do that. You're like. Why don't you go check out the kitchen? Go check it out. <laughs> anyway. Are you renting him to the house, man? You think you need to see, get some help? Oh, uh, it's so good. Yeah, it's um, yeah, hard to go wrong a, with that one. Yeah. The, the only thing I think I forgot, <laughs> having, uh, having not watched it, it's been a while, um, was <laughs> the, the dropping of the N-word with the hard R's. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I, I'm like, I yeah, this... think it's said with the context where you are supposed to be like, whoa, okay, you know, yeah, like, yeah, it does come this... out of it does come out of nowhere, right? Um, this ghost is racist, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, racist ghosts, classic trope. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess it shouldn't surprise me in a in a Kubrick movie, but you yeah. know, I guess it's it's one of those things where it's like, uh when it's supposed to be sort of like a contemporary thing and then you're like oh this this doesn't seem like it really right fits the tone of anything when it comes out of nowhere certainly jarring yeah but Um, you know that movie is anything if not jarring it's true yeah but i I was and i'm just like surprised like at how good it looks for a movie that's over 40 years old the shots are outstanding the sound and the music is just iconic yep. and next level and so terrifying i think um, the reason it's one of my favorites if not my favorite is that he's such a skilled filmmaker and right. he's like cool i'm gonna do a straight up horror movie and I like apply you know very like traditional cinematic methods like i'm at the top of my game as a filmmaker and i'm gonna use that to make you as scared as possible so like the scariest stuff is the like composition of the shots and how the camera yep. moves and yep. you know the woman turning into the old lady is scary but the scariest part is when he just sees the bathtub with the shower curtain and it slowly pulls back you know that's yeah. scarier than anything we see so like i just love that it's such a like cinematic horror movie well yeah and i also think for many people back in 1980 mm-hmm. they were already primed to be scared Right. with anything related to shower curtains or being in the bathroom <laughs> yeah, because true. of Hitchcock. So it's uh, true. It's still, it's, I, I don't think it was as maybe as tropey as, yeah. as maybe people think of it now as, right. Is that kind of thing. But um, yeah, Jack Nicholson is just out. It's out. It's just a great, it's a great movie, but so good. This so is that's the shining kinda, pod. Yeah. <laughs> The uh the doc pod there you go it's like you're trying to come up with another pun but i just can't do it. 
God the podcast is the little boy, the little podcast that lives in my mouth. <laughs> red pod, red pod. <laughs> That's pretty good. What's podcast backward? Sack. <laughs> Doesn't. Catchy. I don't think it works. No. Um. Anyway. Anyway. Um. Another thing that is always and will forever be part of, uh, Magna Fright Pod and also the Spooky Season, is seasonally appropriate beers and candy yes so john what are you drinking this week i have something that may be like stretching the spooky uh requirements here Mm -hmm. but it's a trader joe's beer so they use this brewery campanology but i think they only make stuff for trader joe's but it's a coffee peanut butter cup porter which is some Johnny P shit. Um, yeah. But you know, peanut butter cup was the winner of our Halloween candy bracket last year. It's true. What, what more iconic Halloween food item is there than the Reese's peanut butter cup? So I'm going to honor that with this coffee, peanut butter cup porter and uh, see how it goes. I don't know. It's a, it's a big boy. I, I love a peanut butter porter. Yes. Uh, some classic peanut butter porters here in the Twin Cities from Dangerous Man. Uh, their their peanut butter porter is outstanding. Prize yes. also has an excellent peanut butter porter. I don't know if I've had one with coffee, though. That, it's that, could, a be lot. Ne- that could be next level. But a porter is already at- a lot. A peanut butter porter is a lot. And a coffee peanut butter porter is a lot. <laughs> um, 9%. Yeah. So, see how this goes. Uh, what are you drinking? Well, um, you and I are <laughs> are both going super hard this week. Nice. Uh, I have a beer from a brewery that's actually from Niles, Illinois. Mm. I'm I'm not sure. I've never heard of it. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it's like Une Unane Unane. One of the best breweries in the country, baby. Yeah. They're constantly winning international awards. Yeah, they're great. Well, shit. I, little did I know. But I got the Devil's Rain. Yeah, you did. Rain as in R-E-I-G-N. It's a Belgian-style imperial IPA with Citra and Simcoe hops. Yes. Uh, ABV 9.2. Hell yeah. <laughs> Cheers. So, yeah, it's got a little, um, you know, little little <laughs> devil looking, mm-hmm. looking doing some motions. Yeah, he's doing. I don't know. He looks like he could be skanking or something. Mm-hmm. But here, I'm, I'm gonna open this carefully since I've been moving the can around a lot. Yeah, good call. You know, when you open those uh, craft brew cans, sometimes they explode. Yep. Cheers. Cheers, man. Here's my report on this. The first taste is mm. like. Very sweet, I think, from the peanut butter. But then it finishes like with the the bitterness of the coffee really like cuts through that. So it's ultimately like sometimes I feel like with these sort of monstrosities, I'm like, oh, it's just too sweet, which I was worried it would be. But yeah, the end of it, it's pretty uh, dark and full as you sip it. So you kind of got some good balance to it. Yeah, into it. What's uh, what's that taste like? You know, I guess when I was, I was like a Belgian style Imperial IPA, 
Mm. I'm I'm familiar with Belgian, you know, Belgian style beers. Right. Um, I expect, you know, a little bit, maybe something floral, maybe a little banana, maybe some kind of hint of um, malt and malt and fruitiness of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, this doesn't really have any of that. So maybe a Belgian style IPA is just wildly different. And it just has to do with like the yeast they're using. And yeah, um, but it's all. It also drinks just like a, a regular IPA and at right. 9.2% that could yep. get pretty hairy pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> See how the pod goes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That I feel like Belgian usually suggests a little stronger, fruitier, spicier than your average. Ooh, yeah, exactly. Spicy IPA. is a good word too. Yeah. Um, well, that sounds delightful. I'm very pleased with this, uh, you know, Trader Joe's originated, uh, you know, there's, you're already like sort of skeptical about this wild list of things in here. It's Trader Joe's. There's lactose, which I'm never fully on board with, but I really like this. It's really good. Yeah. I've never really, I've never bought any Trader Joe's branded beer um, because I've not really heard or read good things about some of their just regular, some of the regular beers. Right. I've consumed almost every variety of their, their spirits from yeah, you know their whiskey good. their gin their tequila yeah. their vodka um and i've always been happy with their spirits yeah. but i feel I, like they I, stepped up their game yeah they used to always say like trader joe's on the label which they do not anymore you cannot find that on here <laughs> um which maybe that's you know they're trying to be sneaky and say i don't know this campanology brewing thing i don't know if they're a wisconsin brewer but maybe they just exclusively brew trader joe's stuff now but anyway sneaky but uh the trader jose i will say we'll do in a pinch if you can't get a your hands on a corona it's not too bad yeah um but even more exciting andrew yeah i'm proud to report that this week i tracked down ooh, our freaking haribo sour vampire bats yes and i'm so excited you haven't you, you haven't tasted them yet you haven't broken down and no man i was, was waiting to, to break that seal on mike Ooh, oh yeah I'm so excited we got the red and green and the red and yellow. And oh, it smells good. You're right. Just good texture. Big old bat popping that yes. gas. Oh, it's so good. What a delight. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. Uh, I love a happy John. <laughs> All right. What do you got? So I have I have a few things in here. I'm trying to decide the order in which I want to do this. But I decided I think I want to go. Uh, I want to go a little weird. Oh, yeah. What um, pairs with your your Belgian IPA? So, uh, went to Walgreens and this 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 is sort of uh, surprising to me. Hmm. Um, they it's it's the nice brand, you know, okay. nice. That's the. Uh, <laughs> You know, they're, uh, uh, yes, the Walgreens brand product. Um, simple, honest, delicious. So, this is a gummy candy mix of body parts. Ooh, I did see these. So, uh, they're all they individually, nice. all individually. They should wrapped. have, they should have 69 body parts in there. All their packages should have 69 different pieces. Nice. That way you can go nice. 
All right, so we got what do we got? Got a finger. Ooh. Let me. I'm gonna, I'm, yeah, we got a lot of stuff in here. So this is. <laughs> all right, we got. Oh man, like one side too is like bloody. Ooh. Yeah, let me bust open this. Let me. I'm gonna give you the finger here real quick. <laughs> Terrifying. Oh yeah, into it. That's this a bloody. Pretty, it's a pretty. It's pretty good. decent color for the yeah. for the finger, and then the red like on it. one end. Good detail on that nail. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on the finger? It's definitely a gummy, but it. I think based on the texture, it chews a little bit like, like a really firm fruit snack. All right. Um, but pretty good flavor. Like firm fruit snack. I got a. This looks like a. Looks like a bloody nose. Yeah, it does. Gross. Nose versus finger. Um. Verdict. Very very similar. Okay, maybe they're all kind of um similar. I mean, it looks like we've got some eye. Ooh, holy shit! <laughs> Look at the size of this fucking eyeball. See that eyeball? Bro. This is this is intense. Oh wow! Yeah, that looks like a like a prop toy eyeball or something. That's cool. I know, right? It's it's all it's right. so large. Pop that ball in. I gotta pick up some body parts. <laughs> You're making a sort of confused face. Not sure. What's the, what flavor is this? Hmm. Oh man, these sour bass are so good. I'm impressed with the form factor. The overall flavor, a little disappointing. I think the uh, the last one that I can see, this looks like a uh, red heart. Ah, there you go. The eyeball is the most impressive visually. Yeah. Which I guess what you're paying for with these is the novelty of the the look of the body parts, right? Perhaps over the taste. Yeah, I will say this. Um, in terms of flavor, best flavor goes to the heart, followed by the finger and nose, which tastes similar, and then the eyeball, albeit impressive, okay. a uh, disappointing flavor that I cannot put my bloody finger on. <laughs> well, so John, you're in a much happier space with candy. I'm so happy, man. These are so good. They're so good, though, right? I'm gonna. I might finish these like before we get through voicemails. <laughs> Wait, John, did you did you say voicemails? I did, in fact. Oh, so do we do we have a voicemail line. We, I forget. Yeah, we do. We have a voicemail line. Eight seven two seven six two four seven six three eight seven two seven Magpod. And as we stated last week, for Magnafrite Pod for the month of October, we're only really going to be focusing on voicemails from people um, that are kind of highlighting all things spooky. So we do Mm -hmm. have a backlog of some voicemails that we will get to, but we kind of wanted to allow, allow for the, the focus of this part of the season to just be, be all about that spooking bro. Exclusively spooky. Yeah, man, we got those tricks and those treats. Hmm. And we do have a voicemail from our boy, Jason in L.A. Hey, guys, this is Jason from L.A. I recently saw you guys wanted some uh, ghost stories. I got quite a few. Uh, I'm going to make it quick because I, I could call in every week if you guys want for uh, for these ones. Uh, from the years 1997 to 1999, I attended Cabaret Temple Bible College. It was in Marietta, California. It was a Bible college slash conference center. Uh, before it was the Bible college, it's been around for like 100 years. It was 
Hollywood stars used to go there back in the early 1900s and 20s and 30s. It was uh, run by a cult, there was witches. There was a, all these, it had a history. So uh, I was there from 97 to 99. They bought the campus in 97. And I worked security my last semester there. And there was all types of crazy ghost stories you would hear. And uh, this is the one that got me going the most. But I worked security, and during while I worked security, I was on staff. So I lived in staff housing, and the head of security, we were roommates, and it was his birthday. And we got home, and this was before everyone had cell phones, and there was all these messages saying, Hey, you need to get down to the campus. There's a demon, a ghost at the water reservoir. And uh, so we just thought – it was side note, we came back celebrating his birthday. So we just thought, okay, they're going to come out, say happy birthday. So we drive down there, go up to the water reservoir, and uh, we hear this. As soon as we're walking up to here, you can get – I'll never forget the chill. The arm hair went up my arms and just this dark feeling. And as – we go up, you hear this voice, and it was this moaning voice saying, help me, help me. And oh, then shit. every few minutes, you would hear a little boy going, help my dad, help my dad. Uh, and we got good. who's in there? Can we help you? And we would just hear, oh, help me, help me. And, and then we hear the little boy's voice going, help my dad, help my dad. So we called the head of the conference center, and he just thought there was something wrong with the pipes. He was making fun of us. The next day, he goes up there, and he's just like, okay, that's a demon. That's a ghost. No one go up there. So uh, I have other Bible college stories, which I can call in every week because I know i got a time limit. Um, but that one was the one that just scared shit out of all of us. And never for, I'll never forget that moaning and that voice and just the feeling. So uh, if you guys want me to call in every week with a different Bible college story, I will. So Magpod for life. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh my God. Thank you, Jason. Um, please call in every week. Yes, with please do. Jason's Bible college ghost story <laughs> corner. Uh, that's a, that's a good niche. I'm going to need to hear a little bit more about the, uh, the college that was run by witches. You know? Yeah. I, I got to know all about this. I, I will say, first of all, I'm pretty sure he said Calvary chapel Bible college, but what Google has here is cabbage level bible college <laughs> which is maybe like a veggie tales episode or something but um that's that's pretty good um but yeah I'd, hollywood bible college run by witches with hollywood starlets i mean this is this is, this is good stuff no wonder there's um weird uh dad and child trapped in the water there um yeah i i that's terrifying man yeah especially if you just go day after day and you like, and yeah. it's the same thing. Like, Ugh. I don't understand that, man, that, that's weird stuff. I always feel this is what we were talking about with the uh, shadow people. Right. Versus your traditional ghost. Ghosts are usually asking for help. And like, I feel bad that they're like trapped in this loop. And like, maybe we just need to help them. If we can figure out how to help them. It sounds horrible if they're actually like trapped in this, whatever they're trapped in forever. Um, yeah. The sort of limbo of. Yeah, you know, needing to be released from this plane and just pass on to the right. next plane or something. Ugh. But of course, our, our natural instinct with the ghost is not to be like, oh, how may I help you today? It's like, oh, my God. Um, you know, speaking of Bible college and paranormal activity, mm. uh, I wanted to clarify something. And I said this to you off mic, but I've told the ghost story. I've told the hat man story multiple times. And every time I mention this thing about 
how she wanted to, how my girlfriend at the time wanted to pray after we saw it. And I was like, okay. And the only reason that I include that detail is not to be like, and I was like, okay. Um, but to be like, <laughs> classic John. When, yeah. Just to show how much of an asshole I am. Um, but that when I Googled the hat man, when I found out about the hat man by looking online and identifying it, almost everybody said that the, the, the only way that they got them to go away was by praying or through prayer. So again, I don't know. I don't know anything, but I do know that that's what she asked us to do. And we didn't see him after that. So I'm just saying, that's why I mentioned prayer. May the record show. Thank you, Jason. Yes. And keep calling back in, please. Yes. And we got our boy, Tyler McDonald. Hey guys, I'm super soaked. Uh, Magnifite pod season is here. Um, listening to the episode that, uh, that intro put a big dumb grin on my face. Um, <laughs> love the, uh, annual retelling of the hat man story. I was listening to that driving home from a hockey game yeah. at one fifteen in the morning. Oof. So, uh, definitely wasn't spooked at Perfect. all. Um, <laughs> uh, about the album, I had, I had no clue about the accompanying Bible verses, even though I have the CD, um, and hadn't looked that deep into the lyrics. So as usual, you guys maybe notice new things, um, both good and bad about an album. I'd listened to a ton. Um, some of the track stuff, um, for some folks not hitting as hard as the rest of them. I'm, I'm with you on that one, but sometimes you just need that, that sweet groove song. Um, that bass baseline, uh, definitely keeps me in on that one. For sure. Um, I think, uh, cell phone may be a reference to like a jail cell, like being captive to your phone or something. Um, yeah. chain gang banging is so fun. And I feel like it was a <laughs> leftover, um, from the first album They even mentioned cuckoo in it. Um, yeah. And you, you know, just got to get on that sexy train. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm with John on the, the synth on coming up seventh. <laughs> uh, it just hits so hard and just keeps, keeps delivering the whole song. Um, the lisp absolutely kills me. Um, I'm thinking he was trying to like play someone like on a drunken night out being seduced. That's mm. the kind of feeling I got from it. Yeah. Um, I like the last track, but I, I get that it's, it's kind of soft compared to the rest of them on the album. Um, I like the anti-consumerism lyrics and stuff, mm -hmm. but um yeah the music's music's all right um once the bridge comes in though and that solo comes in and uh, norman's just kind of rambling through it uh from then on I'm, I'm really digging that song um so glad you guys did this album uh magpod for death <laughs> yes, yes there it is thank you buddy so tyler um, said that's great you guys got in my head and i definitely refer to chain gang bang bang is <laughs> chain gang bang gang but i'm <laughs> yeah. not re-recording so yeah i think uh <laughs> us being like this is a sexy train about gangbangs <laughs> yeah. um get maybe got a little bit in his head but yes tyler thank you we appreciate you signing off with the magnified pod uh official sign off mag pod for death yes love it um yes that rules tyler thank you for honoring my hat man star by listening to it at one in the morning <laughs> uh the best time to listen driving around looking around at some streetlights um and, uh, you know, just a, a quick humble brag, Mark Solomon, possibly uh, leaving upside down smiley face emojis on our posts about <laughs> Neon Horse, <laughs> which suggested to me perhaps he was less than pleased with our takes. But uh, no, he seems to be, you know, he seems to be down. I feel like we were, for the most part, yeah. pretty overwhelmingly positive about the yes. record. I think so. I, I had a lot of fun going through it, and I'm glad it's a record that Tyler loves as well. Thanks for those thoughts. Oh boy. Mm. 
First uh, Phantom Cackler appearance of the Magnified uh, Pod season. So so good to hear his cackling voice. It's truly he truly brings me joy. I love uh, I love it. I love it so much. So good. There were some brand new soundscape elements in this voice. <laughs> there now. were. I I'd like to think of the cackler. It's like he needs to run some errands. He's getting in his car. Is he in his car? Got shit to do. Is he around some sort of like uh, retro uh, cash registers? Uh, <laughs> I heard some scraping. Um, I don't know if that one was like, was it laughing? It sounded like laughing from a doll or something. Almost. This is the scraping. Question I have is about the next, next sound. What is that? It could be like a turn signal. It could be like <laughs> laughing distantly. I don't, I don't know. know. Do you remember in the uh, in the 1989 Batman how when Joker dies, he has this little like laughing sound effect toy on his body and it goes. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that. It's a it's the most John Potter hole <laughs> of all time. God, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. Remember in the 1989 Batman and then dot 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 anything <laughs> Any- a particularly a terrifying laugh that the joker has on him <laughs> exactly um so thank you phantom cackler yes cackler we salute you this is your this is you. your season your time to to shine and to cackle yes as a reminder pick up some uh, phantom cackler merch in our shop magnifiedpod.surrender.com there you go speaking of all things spooky john Mm. You know, last week we had a little bit of a, a different kind of approach to it was a detour to some classic things that we like to do. But this yeah. this time we're, you know, I uh, last week we took the left fork. <laughs> I was just gonna this week we're taking the right fork, getting right, back right. on getting back on course here. And Hell I need yeah. to ask you a very important question. I haven't heard it in so long. Hit me. Do you want to play a game? Yes, I do. Yes. All right. We're back on our game bullshit. Mm. And, you know, this week we're going to be talking Mercury Radio Theater, their Mm -hmm. album, The Blue Eyed Model. And I have a quiz for you called... Blue-eyed model? We talking about John Potter over here? Or loosely related <laughs> questions to this Mercury Radio Theater album over here? Mm, I like it. All right. Um, so even, even with my brown eyes, I'll take it. <laughs> I, I mean, you, your, your eyes have a, have a uh, bluish 
hint to him. I don't know. Sure. I was just trying. To... I, I think of myself as the brown eyed model. Okay. We've always, uh, we've always called you that. Um, anyway, so I have five questions for you that are kind of loosely related to this album. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait to fail. And remember that old feeling I haven't felt since last season. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Let's do this. First question. There's no shortage of stories about haunted theaters. Many of them can be found in New York City on Broadway. One of the most famous attention-seeking ghosts is Olive Thomas, who purportedly haunts the new Amsterdam theater. Three of these have been reported stories about Olive. One I made up. Which one did I make up? A, while discussing the film The Artist, a stack of DVDs flew across the room when someone said Olive's sister-in-law was the real star of the silent era. Mm. B, a theater goer was told by an usher to wait until intermission to obtain a booster seat. But when they found she had already got one before then, she said she was directed by a woman at the back of the theater where they were, but no employee would ever have done that mid-show. Mm. C, a startled security guard woke up the VP of Disney theatricals in the middle of the night and told her that someone tapped her, tapped him on the shoulder. And when he turned around, he saw a flapper girl walk through the wall onto 41st street or D during several live productions of Aladdin actors and audience members reported hearing what sounded like dancing coming from either backstage or beneath the stage. Members of the crew frantically tried to find a location of this distraction, but were unsuccessful. This is good shit. This is this is good, solid Andrew multiple choice, challenging, spooky content. I feel alive. <laughs> um, unlike Olive Thomas, who is dead. She um, is dead. She died very young. Um, some say by suicide. Some say it was accidental. Um, it was an overdose of her uh, husband's. Um, what were the, it was like one of those like liquid uh, mm. drug things. I can't remember what, yeah. what it was, but it was, um, yeah, kind of kind of a tragic tragic situation. Yeah. R.I.P. Olive. Um, I'm gonna go with a. I don't know the DVDs, the artist. They just don't feel as as timely to me. I mean, as timeless to me as the other ones, uh, which probably means I'll get it wrong. But I'm I'm going a. You're saying that the one I made up, just clarifying, you're saying the other three are true and the one I made up is the one about the DVDs. Correct. Thank you for making sure because I'm usually... Oh. Nope. Sorry, John. That one is true. Um, okay. Yeah, it was like... A, I think they said it was like a stack of 13 or 14 DVDs that didn't just... They didn't just like fall over. They like... Mm -hmm projectiled across the room and there were like many people in the room that could yeah. verify that this was something that happened Terrifying. um i mean maybe she's a fellow dvd enthusiast and she was just trying to get people to borrow some dvds <laughs> they're like hers. they're like do you want she's like do you want to borrow the artist i have it on dvd i have like 13 14 <laughs> no the one the one that i made up was the uh 
the one about the dancing during the Aladdin production. Oh, I'm sad that's fake. That sounds so cool. <laughs> but I love the idea of like, yeah, fan- phantom dancing sounds. That's so cool. I mean, there there are there's lots of knocking sounds that people hear. Like that's a kind of the sure. classic theater thing that there's people hear <clears throat> those kinds of sounds around the theater. Um, but yeah. you know, I was trying to evoke the whole like flapper thing, the dancing, yeah, that kind of stuff. But yeah, these other ones with the the woman, you know, the, the whole thing was like the usher was saying, no, we we don't we we don't do this during the show. We'll wait turn right. during intermission. Then we'll have somebody get you that get this for you. And and because that's just like the protocol, none of the other ushers or anybody working there would interrupt the show to like do anything like that. And, you know, when they found out, like, she they went to bring her one, but she already had it. And, and she's like, oh, no, the woman, this woman at the back of the theater, she told me where, where they were. And they're like, uh, eh? what? What are, you talk- what, what are you talking about? And it's like, yeah. So, see, ghosts are just trying to help. They're just offering booster seats. <laughs> Maybe they're throwing some DVDs at you. But, you yeah. know, who among us doesn't throw a stack of DVDs at someone once in a while? Um, but because she's so like that she's so apparently active in this in this theater there's now they have a portrait of of olive thomas like Uh, like near the entrance of the of of the new amsterdam so people can like you know say hi to her but this is the other thing is that she doesn't really like often appear to women that she appears to men far more often because she like was a they say that she's a flirt and so she'll like yeah. mess with men a lot more than they than she will um than she will women much like a a lady leopard saying <laughs> come back to the room exactly <laughs> ghost of olive thomas out there <laughs> tricking people with lust exactly all right ready for question two let's go all right Mercury Radio Theater is, of course, named for the Orson Welles radio series, Mercury Theater on the Air. The early 20th century was ripe with many spooky radio stories. Three of these uh, classic radio programs are real, one I made up. Which one did I make up? A. Grave Mistake. B. Death Robbery. C. Murder Castle. Or D. Flesh peddler. Now, this is where I get into trouble. Sure. Because I'm a big fan of old time radio horror. I mean, I like all all forms of spooky radio stories, be they modern podcasts or old school, you know, 30s and 40s radio horror. Um, I had like a solid stretch where I was like, there, there are like, um, podcasts that curate old episodes right. and have them out every week and there was like several years there where I was listening to those nonstop. so I should ra- I should know myself and rather than be like oh I know so much about this so naturally I'm gonna give a cocky answer like when I was like I'm a big comic book fan and then I <laughs> fucking flopped out on that one um, so I know that I have listened to some of these for sure but I, I can't can't I can't crack it. Um, I'm tempted to say Murder Castle because that's sort of a, 
you know, our infatuation with H.H. Holmes' Murder Castle, Devil in the White City is more of a recent phenomenon, but it did happen a long time ago. And I feel like if I remember right, there was a radio drama based on H.H. Holmes even almost that long ago. Um, Lush Peddler sounds like maybe too extreme, but I feel like I've heard that one too. You know, I'm just going to say grave mistake a even though that one seems like it should be one i think you're trying to throw me by throwing in one that you made up so you're saying grave mistake is the one that i made up yes john you are correct hey i was like i'm pretty sure i recognize the other ones i don't remember one as sort of like classic as grave mistake in there yes so grave mistake is uh definitely fake uh death robbery was one kind of a tale as old as time a guy trying to bring back his dead wife um after she died murder castle you're you're right on about that and flesh peddler is um is actually about a ventriloquist a talent agent trying to sign a, a ventriloquist act at a carnival and um and flesh peddler is actually a term used for uh talent agents or people like in the business uh, of like right. trying to get get talent or hire people or something like that so yeah. but um the best part to me is i was listening to uh this this episode of the flesh peddler to get mm. you know just to get a vibe of it and uh, you know I and the in, and, so, so they not only have the whole uh broadcast of the of of the story but they also include the commercials in here yes I know. so here i want to play a little bit of, uh, of this peddler which begins in exactly one minute smoke kent smoke kent smoke kent with the micronite filter it is the mind <laughs> mind cigarette it's got the freshest cleanest it is the mild Kent cigarette smoke Kent with the Micronite filter. <laughs> so uh, smoke Kent Beautiful. with the Micronite filter. With the Micronite filter. <laughs> so John, you might be asking yourself, um, what is a Micronite? What filter? is a Micronite filter? Well, I'll tell you exactly what it is. A Micronite filter is a a form of asbestos oh great and not only was it asbestos it was actually the form of asbestos that was indeed the most toxic form of asbestos so uh between uh, in the four years that the micronite uh kent micronite filter cigarettes were made um they sold 13 billion Kent cigarettes Yikes. from 1952 to uh, March 1952 until May 1956. Um, it's like you need some help getting this carbon monoxide and nicotine down there. Let's use some asbestos and that'll make it smooth. Yeah, I was like, what? Like, here, the thing that they're set they're, they're like, yeah, this thing that we, uh, uh, that's the most important part, that the, our selling point. It's like, hmm, well, yep, whoops. I mean, I got to <laughs> say, I get it. 
It's a pretty catchy jingle. <laughs> Made With me want to make a night filter. filter. doesn't sound like something you want to <laughs> suck on, even in the context of nice vocal harmonies. No. Um, it's like when you <laughs> have you seen that old uh, those old like Flintstones commercials from like the 60s oh yeah when well, they they're, run, they're, where he's they're like, smoking yeah. <laughs> Bonnie, the best thing about this is it goes down easy. There's no filter, so I can smoke it right down. You're like, Chief, that sounds great. It's like, oh man, this is it was a different time. It was a very, a very different time when you know all of our um all the the commercials were just about you know sucking down cigarettes and how women should stay at home and make meals for for their family. Yeah, and shut. The There's definitely up. um. Uh, uh yes an ongoing theme to some of those commercials that they keep in on the shows <laughs> where it's like <laughs> it's always charming but you're always like ooh, problematic left and right um but yes highly recommend for folks who might want to uh have more of that experience uh the horror is one of the old-time radio collected pods i listened to uh but <laughs> some of the famous ones back in the day were like inner sanctum and suspense suspense was the one that uh had flesh peddler I think okay. that was a CBS a good one. CBS radio broadcast. There's one called Quiet Please. There's one called Lights Out. Mm-hmm. Um, highly recommended. Yep. All right, John. One for two. Are you ready for the third one? All right. Hot hand. All right. Let's go. All right. Number three. Will John get uh, more than three wrong answers on this quiz? After all, they say bad news comes in threes. Mm -hmm. This comes from a psychological concept where people try to see connections and patterns to things that aren't there, which includes celebrities dying close together. What is the name of this term? Oh boy. Is it A, apophenia, B, solipsism, C, availability heuristic, or D, the Tinkerbell effect? This is a real phone of friends. <laughs> I got nothing. Um, you know, I'm going to go see availability heuristic, even though it probably isn't right, because it feels like I'm going for what's available. This information that's available is like these three randomly connected things. All right. You're saying that making connections between and patterns between things that aren't there is the availability heuristic. That is a hard yes. thing to say. <laughs> it is. It's tough. Um, and it's also wrong. Uh, um, bummer. So the correct answer is apophenia. Okay. And it's that sort of thing where people... It, it, there's like this broad spectrum of, of this kind of way of looking at things. When, like, when you look at the clouds and you're like oh i think that i see a bunny uh, there because sure. our brain is always trying to make sense yeah. of things or put put connections together and but then there's other concepts like um various cognitive biases you are like looking on youtube trying to find videos to reinforce things that you sure. already believe and you're looking for sources and uh, for something you believe and ignoring sources that disagree with you. Um, mm. So there's this whole like broad spectrum of, of these sorts of things that uh, we as people try and make sense of things. And it can be as, you know, uh, you know, not a big deal as 
being like, oh, that potato chip, you know, looks like Miller Fillmore. It doesn't have look like the same. And then and then there's another right. thing where it's like the same kind of thinking, not too many steps ahead leads to conspiracy theories because people are just trying to right. make connections for things that they're like, oh, I'm just going to jump to conclusions that JFK Jr. is the president and uh, right. actually, <laughs> you know, all that, all that. Nonsense. Oh, what a world. Yeah. Well, so apophenia is to blame for our current state of things, you're saying? Yes, exactly. Uh, now, the Tinkerbell effect is an intriguing one. Yes. What uh, what does this mean? You're going to put me on the spot here, John. So one. No, I'm sorry. I Googled it. I can tell okay. you. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is... You, you, if you have it in front of you, I'm trying to remember if it's like maybe about believing something hard enough yes. or something like that. Yep. The idea that the, the more you believe in something, the more it becomes a reality. Yes. And doing, Fascinating. And doing this, uh, this question, I was going down all sorts of different um, yeah. philosophical and psychological biases that we all have. And I'm just like, man, it's so easy to just convince ourselves what we want to believe. <laughs> and yeah. our brains are just so complex and there's a lot of bummer stuff out there and all trying yeah, to, I'll just trying to leave our minds open to like, Hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not, maybe I don't have all the answers right. rather than just being like, but, but if you know, Trump and, and the deep state and, uh, right. yeah. Just no, the the internet was like the perfect match to light the existing dynamite of this kind of thinking. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like it's just exploded this and ruined our world. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. anyway, um <laughs> ready for four? Yeah. All right. This might be more up your alley here, John. Mm. Blue eyed model tells the story of a man who builds an out-of-the-box woman for companionship when something goes wrong. There are many horror movies with a similar trope of a doll turning against its owner, but which long-running horror series has five movies where Nazis are central to the plot, with names like Axis of Evil and The Littlest Reich? Is it A, Child's Play, B, Puppet Master, C, Annabelle, or D, Demonic Toys. B, Puppet Master. <laughs> you are right. I can't can't uh, put anything past you when it comes to B, horror movies. Puppet Master. I've never answered a question quicker on a question. No, that's true. So, um, yes. Uh, Puppet Master has like a billion different movies. And sure there's does. at one point when they just switched into like five movies in a row that were yes. all... It's all about Nazis, and I'm I, I'm very curious, John. Have you seen any of uh, the Puppet Master movies? Maybe apart from some of the earlier classics. I've only seen the original okay. Puppet Master, which is good. It's it's bonkers, but I'm pretty sure the same dude. You know, there's like a, a puppet master auteur, the guy who's behind the, the brains behind the whole thing, which is also the case for Child's Play and sort of had a similar trajectory where like they just increasingly <laughs> became about whatever this guy's tangents and fascinations were. Mm -hmm. And the budgets got smaller and they just like more and more reflected the state of this guy. And it morphed from this series about, you know, little sadistic 
puppets uh, <laughs> to like exclusive Nazi storylines somehow. And there's a Nazi puppet and yeah. a there are, Nazi puppet master. And there are multiple Nazi puppet characters. I, I'm yes, like, this yes. is a, this is a very specific choice. Yeah. <laughs> Not, I wouldn't recommend going down that path. Uh, I would say, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, first one is a, is a fun time. Um, Child's Play kind of similar, um, where it's in in like a more fun way, I'd say. But like one guy controlled everything, so it's like in the early days it was a fairly like gritty, you know, Chicago story, right? About this killer doll, and then as it goes on, it's like. You know, he's got a wife and a kid <laughs> and he's like, uh, Tiffany, what are we going to do now? And she's like, come on, Chucky. You're like, wow, this thing has really gone down like a franchise yeah. uh, rabbit hole here. Anyway. Yeah. I think, I think that's kind of with almost with any franchise. It, yeah. it starts. I mean, it's the same thing. Especially with, if one person sort of maintains control and is a strange person. Yeah. I mean, I, the first thing that sort of comes to mind with that was the first Ninja Turtles movie. Talk about like a little more dark and gritty. And then, hell yeah. And then after that, it just got it like formulaic and campier sure. and cheesier. And you're like, where, yep. where did this, where did this go wrong? Right. Well, people complained after the first one that it was too dark, like literally and thematically, and that the turtles were swearing and it was too violent. And as a seven-year-old, I was like, hell yeah, this is my <laughs> shit. And then the next one, they like removed their weapons and it's bright and they're cracking wise. And I'm like, what happened to the darkness? I know. <laughs> um, first one was great. Yeah. Well, I remember. Yeah. Well, I pretty, the only time, the only swear I remember is uh Raphael yelling damn damn repeatedly yeah <laughs> it's um, like how what could they say in a in a PG movie like and, and make it sound a little gritty but like right yeah I mean I guess damn was as far as they could go well I remember being like ooh he said <laughs> damn yeah and same thing with the Super Mario Brothers movie you mean a movie that you <laughs> on the record say you loved so much and like left the theater and then like immediately went back in and saw it again no i i went with my parents and i asked if we could stay for the second show and they were like horrified at the thought and i was like come on i want to watch it again right now who doesn't want to see this horrifying version of the mario brothers oh uh, man anyway all right times. john you are two for four okay let's see if we can Round this out. See if it. Let's do it. See if it's. Uh, this comes in threes. Mm. Number five. I'll, if I believe it hard enough, I think about it. <laughs> That's true. There you I'll go. Make it a reality. Question five. Putting the fun back in funerals isn't just for those attending the solemn affair. Sometimes the departed also want to leave their friends and family with a lasting impression of them. Miriam Burbank died of cancer in 2014 in New Orleans. How was her body presented at the funeral home? A, so one of one of these is the correct answer. Okay. A, fully decked out in New Orleans Saints gear, including the logo emblazoned coffin. B, seated on stage next to the podium where presenters were encouraged to roast her before she was later cremated. C, sitting at a table 
smoking and surrounded by a variety of alcohols, or D, smiling and giving the middle finger? All great options. Whichever it is, Miriam Burbank, clearly a legend. <laughs> um, boy, you know, I could see all of them, but people are so into their teams that I'm going to go out on a limb and say, A, she was decked out in Saints gear. Miriam Burbank, Saints fan. Sorry, John. Oh, man. No, maybe she was, but... Sure. This is not how Miriam Burbank went out. All right, John, here's our girl, Miriam Burbank. <laughs> Hell yeah. She's um, sitting at a table. Uh, she's got a cigarette between her fingers, an ashtray, mm. a can of bush, bush beer, beer, a glass <laughs> of wine, and also <laughs> over her right shoulder is a bottle of Jack Daniels. Hell yeah. She's wearing some black I mean, shades and uh legend yeah um that's good shit <laughs> yeah i i found out that this is not entirely an uncommon thing people hmm. are have like there's you can find articles with people propping themselves up and like people want to like remember them as they were and not just like necessarily lying in a coffin or whatever sure but it's also I mean, just a very sort of uncomfy feeling yes because it's like they they look more like they should be like madame tussauds than an actual person right right um i mean the the most horrifying thing in any circumstance is just that like we pumped these people full of weird chemicals yes yeah to preserve them they don't ever really look like themselves it's just like it's grotesque no matter how you slice it yeah. so you might as well sit in a chair and be drinking some booze <laughs> that is true respect uh but yes it is disturbing it's disturbing either way but i i guess it is particularly troubling to to gaze upon that um yeah um, i hesitate to bring this up but it reminded me of this thing recently where did you hear about this there was like this maybe even in Chicago, I don't remember, but there was like a, a hip hop show where there was like a recently deceased rapper and they brought his corpse out on stage. What? And he was like elevated like that the whole time. And they would like perform a show and like were toasting in his honor and stuff. But like not everybody knew it was actually him or that it was even like happening. Anyway, that was very disturbing. <laughs> um, That is very disturbing. Um, I want to share just a few more of these, uh, Okay, please dead photos of people um great here's a guy Ugh. looking totally That's... normal yikes sitting up the sunglasses helps uh <laughs> helped for miriam and here we can and there's see the there's miriam struggling. here's a lionel batiste yeah uh, he's like a cool dude he said uh, he didn't want people looking down at him so he was uh standing up leaning on a lamppost all right um this uh hey. person is dressed in an evening gown and a feather boa um, <laughs> this dude is in a uh, what a coffin that looks like a supposed to be like a Cadillac. Mm -hmm. um, coffin lack. This is a. This is like exactly how this dude looked at, at this concert. Leaned against a wall, looking totally normal. It's totally how people yeah. stand, and not like yeah, his upsetting. arms are on backwards. <laughs> oh my god! This oh. guy's on his motorcycle. Wow, that looks pretty cool. 
Um, These are weird, man. <laughs> this dude definitely looks like he just died in his truck. Uh, yeah, he's in his truck. Oh, he's a no, it's an ambulance uh, appropriately. Sure. Um, huh. Yeah, these are... Fascinating stuff here. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, just no. like embrace that we're all going to die and maybe don't... <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm like, you know, hey, we're honoring their wishes, and that's great. But it's also like, this is this is fairly horrifying. Yeah, it's. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, I suggest cremation <laughs> for all of us. Yeah, it's it's just as it's very it's very upsetting, because I, yeah, I get it. You you don't want to remember somebody as like lying in a coffin or like that's not who they were. It's like, well, the person doesn't make that person is gone and we need to deal with that reality instead of <laughs> right. making them some sort of like weird post-mortem taxidermy i don't know yeah it feels a little like we're mocking death <laughs> or something yeah just anyway. throw me throw me on on a on a, on a pyre and you know yep. call it a day burn me up baby yeah um, well, that was delightful. As delightful as any quiz ending with looking at uh, corpses arranged in <laughs> terrifying ways can be. Um, no, it was a lot of fun. And of course, it makes sense that the only ones I got right were about scary movies and scary radio plays. Yeah. Um, so good for me. Two out of five is about my average. I'll take it. Uh, it was a lot of fun to be doing a quiz again. Indeed. Um, Next week, I'll put on the quiz master pants. Ooh, hell yeah. John's not wearing any pants this week. Um, Usually I don't, unless they're (laughs) when I'm the quiz master. (laughs) All right. So what do you say? We take a little break. And then when we come back, we'll pull back the curtains and Gregor will come on stage and uh, we'll we'll discuss the Mercury Radio Theater album, The Blue-Eyed Model. Yeah. Hey Sugar, I'm Erica Michelle. I host a voice diary called Brown Sugar Diaries on the Rock Candy Network where I spill all the tea about my daily experiences, life lessons, my journey to healing and wholeness, my life as an entrepreneur, student doctor, CEO of a nonprofit, and I give my opinion on the current happenings of the world. You see why I have this voice diary? I got a lot of stuff to talk about. Tune into Brown Sugar Diaries wherever you listen to podcasts and let's sip on this tea or wine. You'll cook your business, Sugar, okay? Hey, John. Hey. Have you heard of Small Step Records? You know, the name is familiar, but but tell me more. Well, Small Step Records is a faith-based DIY record label with Mm -hmm. bands that are melodic punk, pop punk, easycore, emo, and ska. And they have some new albums and new bands releasing records right now on all streaming services. You should check them out. Andrew, not only that... Ooh. They are Magpot's first official sponsor. Oh, really? Starburst got nothing on these guys. All mm. right. These guys are the real deal. <laughs> uh, the tagline is love God, love others, listen to pop punk. You can go to smallstepperecords.com, check out the cool records and merch and bands they have, and we will be, through their generosity, offering some giveaways in the coming uh, weeks and months uh, on our socials of some of these small step bands records so keep your eyes peeled for that also john unlike some record labels which may have come up over the course of the podcast the artists on small step always keep 100 percent of the rights and ownership of their music yes so any money that goes 
two small step goes directly back into supporting the bands. This is a label with integrity. So you yeah. love to see it. Love to see it. Small step. Check them out. Smallstepperecords.com. We're back talking Mercury Radio Theater, talking about mm. the blue eyed model. Mm. Um, John, when did you first hear of Mercury Radio <laughs> Theater? I first heard of them last year when we did Magnified Pod for the first time. Um, in particular, Andy Verdecchio of Five Iron Frenzy uh, recommended them to us and said that they played with them and that we should put it out into the world that he wants five iron and mercury Radio theater to play together again so if you're listening uh buddy mercury and the gang know that andy and five iron are, are ready to get back <laughs> doing some dates with you uh, but yeah not familiar with them before that yeah i could be wrong but they seem pretty niche i don't know how many people know them super well but we would be very curious to hear about folks thoughts on them um i assume you're in the same boat you didn't hear of them until then absolutely yeah that yeah. was um i mean this is extremely niche a yeah. largely uh instrumental punk uh surf rock outfit yeah. um with sort of this spoken word dialogue mm. poetry story in between each mm. track it's it couldn't couldn't really get more niche than that no uh also all extremely my shit <laughs> very into the vibe these guys are throwing out couldn't be um, any more niche unless it came with like um some sort of directions for performing your own puppet show or something <laughs> yeah if they could work puppets in <laughs> somehow that would be ideal uh, but, you know, Frankenstein has some puppet uh, illusions in it. Um, but, uh, yeah, they formed in 2000 in Philadelphia. And I think they're still kicking. I mean, they they put out an album in 2016, and I, they seem to still occasionally play shows, I think pretty much basically only in Philadelphia, but would really love to see them. Uh, they are fascinating, as you alluded to in our last segment. Uh, they're obviously named for the... Orson Welles uh, radio drama players and their whole approach to shows was like, they called them episodes. Mm. Um, so they would do like, you know, essentially live old time radio sort of radio play things. And they would have sound effects on stage and these spoken interstitials would sort of be like, yeah, this episode of the show where they do music in between these dramatic elements, which is super cool. Um, they started as a trio, uh, Kurt Fowler, a.k.a. Buddy Mercury, on guitar, vocals, and theremin. And he's sort of the main figurehead of the band who's been there since the beginning. Um, and on those first few records of theirs, um, they had this surf rock sound, like you said. I'd say some blaster vibes in here, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I love how, like, you know, surf rock and rockabilly have sort of become like 
synonymous with like Halloween stuff, right? <laughs> like spooky sound. I guess it sort of fused in the '60s and it just stuck that way. But always a vibe I'm here for. Um, but also some like noise rock elements, some math rock elements. For sure, I yeah. Can say, um, you know, short songs, but lots of changes within those songs and time signatures changing all over the place, complex song parts that change a lot. Um, so this trio uh, did a monster trilogy of albums. Um, the Death and Life of the Undead Boy came out in 2003, which is about Victor, a vampire boy. Blue-Eyed Model, which we're talking today, came out in 2005. And as he said, is about Gregor and his quest to find the perfect match. And Kilroy, which came out in 2011, which is about Kilroy, a werewolf who haunts the halls of an old age home. <laughs> which I, <laughs> which I, rules. I thought, like, I don't know, maybe we should have done that one. That sounds more up your, your alley specifically. Yeah. There's some werewolf reclamation to be had there. Um, but I would say this is their most well-known album and my favorite after listening through all of them and maybe not all of them as carefully as this one. They're all really interesting. I would suggest anybody who likes this one especially should check out those other two in that trio. Um, but I think this is the most interesting of those records. Um, they also had a split uh, EP with Calibretto 13 uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, talked about them slash Harley Poe yep. last year on Magnified Pod. Um, but yeah, these guys are sort of a mystery. They, they were this trio that then grew to a nine piece ensemble and their sound kind of changed for their fourth record. Um, and now there's, there's sort of more of a Gogol Bordello, like sure. Orchestral folk punk vibe. Um, and they've got a vibraphone and a sax and a trumpet and an organ. Um, and they're still doing mostly intermittent, mostly instrumental songs, although more lyrics these days. Um, but they played, at least as a trio, uh, Cornerstone several times. They played the new band stage in 02 for the first time, which was the year that Tiger Jack would have played, <laughs> were we not rejected from the new band stage. Um, but that year they played in Blood, blood Splattered Aprons and Goggles and just like, you know, setting the scene for who these guys are. Um, and then, yeah, in 2016, they also released independently this album, Oh, This Can't Be Good. Um so I don't know. I'd love to see them. It's hard to find too much about them. I mean, yeah. there's interviews with them and videos and stuff, but like nothing that I could really find sort of about their, any kind of like faith background. Like they clearly played Cornerstone and were part of the scene to some degree, but like have no real connection uh, to the world beyond that. As far as I can tell um, they're th this record came out in, Lujo Records or Luho, I'm not sure how to say it, but they, I've never heard of that label, um, but they did uh, Cool Hand Luke put out a record on, on Lujo. So a little bit of, um, you know, fellow alt Christian world label mates there, but um, at least uh, in these early days, in addition to Buddy Mercury, we got Phil Mercury, who I'm assuming, I don't know if it's an actual <laughs> brother or like just a stage name thing. Uh, Joey Getz on drums. And this guy F Woods, um, who eventually would play guitar with them and originally did like live sound effects for their radio play segments on stage. But there's 13 credited performers on this record, and most of them are just first names or pseudonyms. 
so it's all a little bit of mystery. I will say Autobot, our boy, is on there. He's one of the vocalists on this record. Amazing. So makes sense that he'd find his way into this world. Um, and also credited are the Women of Eastern University Choir uh, on the opening and closing tracks. Um, and Eastern University is sort of a known as like a progressive Christian school. Shane Claiborne is an alum. Uh, Tony Campolo is a professor there. Ron Sider, who wrote Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger, is a professor there. So I think they kind of come from that world, and maybe that explains some of it. Um, but yeah, the, the record was mastered by Alan Duche and Kim Rosen. I think it sounds great. I love the vibe and I love the sound. Um, and yeah, we can dive into a little more about what this record contains, but I don't know. What are your overall thoughts on them and their, and their sound and their vibe? I really like the vibe. Um, I do wish there were maybe a handful of songs where there's some singing or some lyrics. Yeah. Um, we got we got two songs with lyrics. I know, yeah, and but like s- sort of barely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could use a little more. Yeah, and because I I really like what they're doing on a lot of these yeah. songs, but if you only factor in the actual songs and none none of the dialogue between songs, it's it would be ten tracks and yeah. eighteen and a half minutes. Right. So it yeah. is extremely brief. Um, yes. uh, yeah, there are 19 tracks currently with just, right. you know, factor and everything in 23 minutes. Um, 23 minutes. It's got to be the shortest LP we've done, I think. I think, I think probably. Um, most of the tracks don't crack two minutes. Right. Uh, I, so it's a very, everything is very, very brief. So, yes. And, you know, it 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 does play a little bit like a radio drama. Um, yeah. But I think what I would want f- from this and this kind of a concept, because I really like a lot of the music and I guess I would want it to be fleshed out a little bit more in the songs kind of like you know you sure. talk about gregor and what he's doing and then maybe flesh out that story a little bit in the song but yeah. i don't know i guess it's maybe trying to give you more of a vibe rather than spoon feed you uh the the story maybe they want you to fill in the blanks for the yeah. songs the more i listened to it i i thought this is actually quite a bit more dark and sinister than I think yeah. at, at first passing they, than you would actually think. Agreed. Spoiler alert, like Gregor isn't exactly <laughs> uh, a hero or somebody that you aspire no. to be like. Nope. I think it's really dark, and I think it's sort of an investigation of toxic masculinity to some extent. Um, and, you know, it's obviously... So we should say it's about uh, Gregor, a young academic who is creating a companion for himself uh, from the parts of dead women with the help of a girl in a box kit. You know, we talk about the box and opening up the box. Uh, it's perfect. 
this week for us. Uh, he gets a box that he opens that helps him uh, create this creature. So obviously a Frankenstein parallel here, as we talked about, the other records are like vampire and werewolf, and this is the Frankenstein one. Um, so perhaps there's some like faith parallels to draw there, sort of in what you're talking about, because I do think it's a sort of, they're using that as a satire of sort of, um, I would even say maybe like power dynamics and the idea of like, you know, like I'm a nice guy, you know what I mean? Right. I don't know. I think they explore some of that in interesting ways. Um, so maybe there's like, a, you know, a, a sort of faith elements in regard to sort of like, it's about like not respecting life, I guess, in the way that the original Frankenstein is of sort of, you know, we're making a sort of mockery of what life is by sort of creating it on our own terms and hoping that these things that we create will will be able to control them fully and do our will. And it, of course, it doesn't work that way. You mean like um, propping up a dead body on a motorcycle or like... Kind of like that. <laughs> that sort that's of, that's a little disturbing. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I Yeah, I think the things that they do say, I think are interesting and they're employing this story in an interesting way and, and no sort of, you know, we, we've talked a lot about what is the line of how spooky Christian bands use this content. Right. Is it done in a way that's like to sort of proselytize um, or is it sort of spooky because they enjoy spooky stuff and it doesn't need to necessarily like fit this message in, or maybe it's an effective way of telling this message that they want to tell, but this feels like there's no overt faith stuff anywhere in any of their records as far as i can tell and maybe other people know more but i don't know i i think this rules i'm i'm way into this i love every song on here i hear you um on the lyrics and i think that would be cool but i guess i'm just thinking of it like so much as a package and i like like the idea of they're almost more like plays than they are shows or even albums um yeah i guess so the, i guess yeah, this being as niche as it is and something that we certainly haven't covered anything like this and this isn't sort of my as you said this is like so up your alley in terms yes. of how it's packaged um I just want I want more story there I want more to chew on but yeah. I guess even still with these short little vignettes there's still plenty to chew on Yeah it's just it's just over you... so fast you know it is, yeah, very fast. Um, I guess the idea is kind of like, you know, a lot of those old radio horror things or even like TV shows now are about like, you know, 25-ish minutes plus commercials. Right. So I guess it's sort of that, but it's it's very short. And But I do think, like you said, that there's more to it. I feel like the first couple of times I listened, I was like, yeah, yeah, it's mostly like a, a play on the Frankenstein myth. And then as I listened to it, I was like, oh no, it's actually like, it is much more sort of sinister than yeah. that. Um so, um, yeah, I just love how complex the songs are, how many sort of different directions they go in while still being short and fun and like pretty listenable. Like it's weird, but it's pretty accessible. Yeah. Um, the guitar and the drums, I think are the definite standouts for me, although there are some really fun and complex bass lines in there too, mm -hmm. but all three of them are really talented. Um, such wild energy maintained throughout the whole thing. It's, I feel like it's such a fun time. There's organ here throughout as well, which I love. You know, I love especially in spooky stuff. Some organ always helps. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'd, it's a little different for us. We, we talked about talking about them 
last year and we were kind of like well mostly no lyrics lots of dialogue tracks they're all really short uh so it's a short album and our discussion will probably be pretty short for that reason but i do feel like they're worth considering because they're so interesting and so talented and they were sort of a revelation to me where i'm like wow these guys are so they're doing such interesting musical and thematic things and i feel like they don't really get their chance uh to shine very much i don't know i haven't really seen much about them so anyway I'm, I'm excited to talk about it yeah and i think it's with bands like this that you would probably find probably maybe the most passionate kinds of fans because when you get this right. niche and you have to be like super into this sort of thing and i think that's right um i think it's sort of what you were alluding to earlier that sort of transcends just like a collection of songs and that you like you said it mm. is sort of like a play and that it's um it's yeah maybe it's not the kind of album that one just sits down and like throws in the car to go on a road trip and you're gonna like listen to a story about gregor but it there is maybe a a lesson worth taking away from it even if it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily driven home with lyrical points in every song right yeah and I do feel like even though there aren't a ton of lyrics to pour over, there are corresponding Bible passages we can analyze. Like I do appreciate them not being like, and Frankenstein is a lot like, uh, you know, Job and uh, <laughs> Lazarus. And that's why you should not sin. You know what I mean? <laughs> like there's none of that here. You know what I mean? Like it's just weird and spooky and they happen and to be connected to the Christian is scene. a metaphor for sin. Right. Like, I like that it's just like, no, we're not really like winking or doing like a twist on any of that. It's just like, this is just like, you know, horror, sci fi, surf punk um, that happened to play at Cornerstone a lot. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Um, is it time to open up that, that box with the girl in the box and dive in? I think we should. Um, and because a lot of the songs are so short. <laughs> yeah. We'll, it's gonna be short. we'll listen to just little bits of it, but opening yep. track, The Blue-Eyed Model. Ooh. We barely even get going on it, but uh, it's true. <laughs> the song rules. This is my number two. It's my number one. Okay. Uh, it's great. Um, yeah, starting with that women's choir we mentioned, uh, I think a really effective way. It's sort of like both creepy and kind of heavenly. Yeah. Sets this theatrical tone. Uh, but that's very brief because it just breaks into this frenzied guitar and drums uh time signature in the beginning is so fast and the drums are so wild those fills are just like <laughs> like cymbal crashes everywhere so you already have like whiplash from you know this choir going into that and then after that um it sort of settles into a different time signature with like a great surf riff that comes in yeah i don't know it just i just it's such a great 
immediate energy setting song for the record yeah so into it just a burst of intensity just yep. you know catching you off guard with the those beautiful vocals yeah i think you you had said uh earlier um you said something about a wild energy which yeah. i think yeah wild frenzied energetic yep. you yep. know that i think this song encapsulates a lot of a lot of that and a lot of what you will hear uh yeah. on the record yeah i just want to see this live immediately and i know like these days if and when they do play it's like a different band they're probably not playing much of any of these songs these days but i'm like boy i would love to see this version live and experience it um i just really like the melody here a lot yeah there's like a whistling noise radio frequency yeah. sound you know that that comes in which is cool so cool That's so cool love that works for me. sci-fi vibe um but yeah just that 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 energy comes right back in after that little chill out section um and I don't know, I just, if you really want to read into it, perhaps we understand this opening as we sort of get the closing, uh, which is also when the women's choir comes back, which like, perhaps this is like dead woman slash these dead women, maybe like going to heaven or in heaven. And then it's like interrupted by Gregor's acts and it gets all frenzied. I don't know. That's, that's perhaps a big overread, but maybe that's what's happening. Well, I mean... The blue-eyed model needs to come from somewhere, and then it's mm -hmm. followed up by a funeral. So, I mean, yep, you know, I don't think it's reading too much into it. All right. Well, there you go. Should we hear a little bit about Gregor? Let's do it. A person doesn't go mad all at once. Here a little, there a little, one or two or three at a time, things set into place. Line upon line, the cogs and the clockwork keep pace and assign the undesign of dementia. Precept upon precept disconnects quietly from the mind's receptors. Just this beautiful pacing and mm -hmm. rhyme. I don't know. It feels very Shakespearean. And yes. not just because of the accent, but, but, but because of, I don't know, the, just the the way in which it is i don't i don't know the the, the terminology right. for, for i don't know if it's iambic pentameter I, here yeah i don't but know it if is it is like not. the rhyming structure is like kind of complex yes. yeah and this is a, a thing that they use in all three of these monster trilogy records um sort of a rhyming male narrator in between songs um but obviously you're talking about sort of the madness and obsession that can take over uh, in the way that it did for Victor Frankenstein and the Frankenstein story, and as it does for Gregor in this story. I like that it starts off with, you know, that essentially you don't go from zero to to mad immediately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And right. as I was talking about The Shining earlier, you know, that's mm. sort of Jack devolves into madness throughout the film. And um, it builds up that that sort of tension, but I would encourage every, everybody to listen to this record and hear uh, 
yeah some more of the of the the narration and the storytelling and because it is it's as central to the record as the songs are yes and it's not like a skip worthy part of the record no. i feel like and they're it, all like 30 seconds ish anyway yeah, so. it's it's true but i do find it to be uh very compelling yeah we put the fun back in funeral This is my number one. Uh, it's my number two. Okay. But I thought about swapping those. I could have easily done the order you did. They're I, both so. I good. know. And the, I mean, the melody to, the, to this song, I'm like smiling the whole time because it's so, it's so fun. pleasing and it's so fun. And it's got mm. it's got the haze in it. So, yeah. you know, that's you know, it's going to be a good time. You can't go wrong. With the you know shadowlog, hi, love it, love a hey, love a gang, uh, love vocal. a gang vocal, shout in, shout along, um, yeah, but it's just, just bouncy, great riffs throughout, really showing off those surf rock riffs here, great name too for the song, yeah, <laughs> um, and I don't, I just, I love that guitar vibrato thing of the like, like, yep. whether they're bending the strings or just like shaking the guitar you know where you get the vibrato from that i love those sounds. whammy bar um, of some kind yeah whammy, gotta be whammy in there it's just it's I, I love that sound and like again the complexity of this thing it changes back and forth between time signatures and parts of the songs all over the place um i know it's like a very short song we've already heard half of it but i would like to hear <laughs> so there's like organ and jingle bells that come in yes. and then it switches to a complex rhythm again yes. and I love what the drums are doing there that's about like 117 I would say chilling out here love so cool so cool and then that goes back into hey, at the end of the song which rules um, yeah I just love the like I don't know the, the, the rhythms that the drums are doing throughout of the like like just like constantly cutting out coming back in i don't know they're so tight and like they all have chops and it's like again it's quick and breezy but there's so much going on you're like struggling to keep up but it's such a fun time like i feel like with like some math rock or noise rock you're kind of like all right i get it in this case it's just kind of breezy and blows by and you're just along for the ride i don't know i think it's really fun yeah and i and i love a descending melody just the yes, totally. The sort of yeah. so good, man. It's so interesting, so pleasurable. My brain and my it's just all lighting up, just having a great time. Yep. So good. Um, a little more Gregor. Nights 
to vent his vexed state and lights and sights were often spent in the company of whatever young woman's delights Gregor happened to fancy this week or that. But it chanced that none could vie with his expectations. No suitable helper was found for him. Hence, all... Uh, given Gregor giving off big incel vibes. A hundred percent. I wrote <laughs> ultimate toxic masculinity and incel uh, character here. Um, yeah. So he's, he, we're starting to get a sense here of like what's happening, which is like, oh, he can't find a suitable companion, which is like, you know, for whatever reason, dude is maybe, I don't even think he's going on dates, but he's just observing people at least and be like, Ugh, none of them are good enough for me, Gregor. Yeah. Um, or perhaps he's like socially awkward or something. And so it doesn't go as well or whatever, but he buries himself in his studies to figure out a way to make his own companion. Uh, this is a, this is a troubled dude we're learning here. Yes. Yeah. You know, I sometimes don't, I don't want to give off the vibe that like anybody who can't find a date or can't find a companion is an incel, but like when it's being told is like, no one is good enough or suitable and right. And it just doesn't work out because of his, his standard that he has to resort right. to constructing and building, you know, what's he building in there? <laughs> you know, it's building a lady. I, it's like, uh, maybe Gregor is the problem here. Yes. Uh, listen, I, I, I have social anxiety myself. I, I, empathize with anyone who may feel that way about finding partnership but the problem obviously comes when it's like it's not that you can't find anybody it's that you think you're like better than everyone and yeah. so to sort of get revenge i'll make my own and they'll have to do everything i say and listen to what i do and that's like well that's that's not what a partnership is so <laughs> no. no um um you want to give the uh pronunciation on this next one a crack le bon temp roulé Maybe I think, uh, I think my high school French les le bon temps roulet. Uh, let the good Pretty times close. roll. Yeah. Such so shreddy cool. sounds, such a cool guitar sound, such a cool bass sound. Time Rules. signatures uh, are so cool. This is my number three. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. I didn't mean to. <laughs> um, no, it's fine. I, I, I that. My first three songs are the top or are the. My top three songs are the first three songs of the album in order, which is kind of boring, but <laughs> I, I love all these songs. There are no songs that I just like, but I feel pretty clear about these being my top three. And I think it's in part what you were just saying about starting out with these fairly complex rhythms. Again, I love what the drums are doing. And then it kind of moves into these punk chords. But again, I'd like to hear a little bit later. Sure. It goes into like just the single guitar note sort of played furiously. And then the other instruments come back in. I think that starts at about 40 seconds. Did we get there already? Uh, let's see. 
There we go. Yeah. So cool. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, complex bass line in there too. Yes. Like, <laughs> just that feels the most sort of math rocky is sort of like what the bass and drums are doing on this one. Um, I don't know. I just, it rules. There's some cool reverby surf guitar that comes in at the ending here yeah. too. I really dig again, sort of like that move from like complex rhythm into just kind of straight punk chords into surf reverby stuff. Like it's such a cool combination and they pull off these transitions. So effectively uh here for it love some hand claps so cool yes gregor's about to have to get his girl a package Mm -hmm. it's black wrappings with pale white letters proclaim its simple title with pensive excitement the parcel merely reads clearly girl in a box inside there's nothing more than a few the like sort of jazzy instrumentals in the back uh-huh. it does give that film noir kind of like yes. sexy vibe going on smoke mm-hmm. smoke filled back room kind of yep smoky dark nightclub vibe to it yeah a lot of uh muted trumpets yeah. in those and there's a, a dialogue track later that begins with a muted trumpet note that's like exactly the muted trumpet note from a twin peaks song and i think it, this has given us some twin peaks vibes as well <laughs> um, uh, can we everything just, gives up twin peaks vibes for me i guess but. can we just listen to the inter like the rhyming structure again like there's just mm-hmm. something so i don't know how it's done but the uh, the emphasis and the pacing of everything. It just sounds so, it sounds so cool. I just mm-hmm. want to listen to these first like 10 or 15 seconds again. A package. It's black wrappings with pale white letters proclaim its simple title with pensive excitement. The parcel merely reads clearly, girl. Hey, listener, are you a, uh, are you a <laughs> English, li- English teacher, teacher a liter- a literature, poetry teacher, poetry yeah. Explain to me what it is I'm hearing because, because yeah, we're so used to like da 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 hearing, da 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 leering, but this yeah. is like hearing goes leering and blah 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 deary, you know, yeah, like it's the rhymes but, come, but there's like sooner and multiple times per couplet. Letters proclaim its simple title with pensive excitement, like the title and excitement. There's like uh-huh, those, yeah, they're, they're, totally. they're like doing things they're like popping in my ears in a different way than something i don't know because poetry is not something that i'm like actively into i don't seek out or read poetry and i think it's because i don't know how it's supposed to sound so when somebody Mm. who is reading it knows what they're doing with it then my ears are like oh that makes sense i know what i'm i know what i'm reading or no i know what i'm hearing versus like trying to read it and be like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but the. Yeah, no, they're, they're clearly like, they're not half-assing it and they know what they're doing. And it feels, you know, you could easily kind of be like, Oh, I went to this um, cheap theater show the other day 
and they're trying something and they did these poems in between and it didn't really come together like this could be that but it's done like so well and so effectively that you're kind of like taken aback by it right but he gets his uh he gets his girl in a box kit it arrives with instructions on how to put corpse parts together we assume <laughs> that's never said like explicitly but that's the suggestion um and you know we've we've learned before that he's like he's going to get his companion no matter what it takes yeah. and uh we learned that he's requested the blue-eyed model yeah so uh this next song is called girl in a box So good. This is a dope song. You uh, yeah, you familiar with the story of Colleen Stan from the seventies? Think so. Tell me. Uh, Do I want to know? Probably not. It's just <laughs> true story about this twenty-two-year-old woman who is uh, kidnapped and was kept in a box uh for seven years and was like jesus christ repeatedly like raped and tortured and uh she lived she survived she's still she's still alive uh but she was called the girl girl in the box um wow and it's just like this terrifying and horrific horrific story and um but like in my mind like i can't not think about like, yeah, interesting. <laughs> girl in the box, like, and the 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 depths to which humanity can just be truly, truly monstrous. Wow, and this album is not too. I mean, obviously, it's a different kind of story, but both of them involve a lack of uh, autonomy and also. Uh, incorporate concepts of control and ownership and it's all very it's all very disturbing either one yeah that's horrifying um i don't know i i guess i because i'd take it as such a like frankenstein simile that like i assumed he was taking corpse parts right but i guess it's possible he's also like killing women um and taking the parts that way i don't know um upsetting though (laughs) yeah musically uh you know you mentioned a descending melody i love that sort of descending surf guitar part that opens the song it's so cool and then it becomes just like a driving punk song right um and then kind of chills out a bit with like an organ part that comes in i just love again the kind of the winding path that these songs take you on i love all the stops and starts here a lot of the songs have that but it's so like um it's such a fun element to a lot of these songs is like how abruptly they'll stop and then come right back in and yeah in ways that i'm like oh they had to practice that so many times to get that <laughs> exactly right um but yeah yeah and it's this sort of song structure where you think how does a person first think of that 
Totally. I'm assuming it's sort of like, yeah, is it one person who comes in and is like, I've got this idea and follow me? Or is it like found in sort of jamming and figuring out stuff that works? I don't know, but these guys know what they're doing. Recently, I think it was, was it recent? No, this is an older headline uh, from the hard times, but I saw it recently. Uh, math rock guitarist, either virtuoso or doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fine line. <laughs> but I guess I that, these guys do now. These, these guys knew, know what they're doing, but yes, that sort of uh, noodly uh, time signature stuff that uh, we get we get here in a little in a little bit. But this next uh, bit of dialogue is also where you, you start to see where things kind of take a creepier and weird turn. Gregor, after his manic fashion and frantic in his passion, could never settle for mediocre materials with which to construct his model. He hunts and searches with a meticulous craving for the highest quality parts. His heart rejoices over each small component that he unearths. Yeah, so he's looking for the highest quality parts and he rejoices with each part that he unearths. So we are yeah, I think it's corpses, right? <laughs> yeah, we're we're sort of inferring that this is corpse parts. Um yeah. but like it's all it's all said with like this levity that if uh-huh. you're not paying attention to the words he's saying, it's like right. and he just loves these high quality right. uh, unearthed body parts, you know. Right. You're just right. like, oh no, well, this, this dude is uh is fucked up. Yeah. That's that's another element of this record that as the songs go on, reflect more and more this like perspective on what's happening uh that's like sunny and like cheerful, um, increasingly, even as things are getting uh worse and worse in terms of like psychosis and stuff. Um, so I don't know if it's supposed to sort of be like reflecting Gregor's lens on things and his sort of skewed version of reality or if it's just sort of like the story is being told in that way of like this sort of winking like we're going to present you this like terrifying thing but done with this sort of like yeah told with this kind of levity or whatever like you were saying yeah or like is this a sort of situation where Gregor is actually the narrator and he's like right, narrating right. his own story. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm gonna write my own my own story and tell it as if like right. I'm you know. Yeah, that's probably the best read on it is because it's like he's clearly the hero, right? As the songs go on, and there's clearly only one way these things can be um, told and understood from the perspective of the narrator, and it's Gregor's perspective. So yeah, that makes sense that he's like I'm gonna write my own story here, sort of. Yeah the uh, aptly titled Spare Parts. This, so cool. this is my number three. 
Yeah, I think this is probably my number four. <laughs> so good. It's so fast and noodly, and the bass is so cool. There's everything is moving. It's, it's everything is so fluid and yeah, and nonstop and uh, um, propulsive. It's just so cool. Yeah, it rolls. I love that central guitar hook of the. Um, and it does a key change in that sort of surf rock way. It's like, you know, it goes up. It's so cool. And the organ is great throughout here too. I really like that touch. Um, and then there's that cool kind of ascending guitar part. The that comes in at the end. Yeah, it rules. I mean, the guitar is like the, yeah. A little bit so of good. a organy sound going on. Mm-hmm. Love that organ. Um, yeah, just the, the surf rock guitar uh, time in the spotlight on this one, for sure. Yeah, into it. Super into it. All right, so now we're into the back half of the record. So we both, our top threes were all uh, yep. in the first half of the record. Now we're, we're getting into uh, the... I guess, you know, the, the, well, maybe the, I don't know how many acts you want to call this album, but you know, sure. if you want to call this act two, you know, yeah, this is, I think so. this is when things, you know, you think everything's going great and everything's going to be fine. Gregor feels inside him the swelling of pride. His eyes swim and his mind reels at the prize before him. His creature is ready. Steady now, he gazes at his blue-eyed model, undazed, amazed. Feeling proud, gazing upon his creation. Yeah. Uh, it, it ends with, for the first time, he feels complete, which is like, oh, that's that's not good. It's <laughs> <laughs> not what you want. No, no. Yeah, he feels complete because he built something for his he own control pleasure and control we don't know necessarily the specifics of like what this blue-eyed model is or Mm -hmm. his intentions with it but uh probably not good probably not good intentions i'm just probably gonna go out on a limb (laughs) yeah um and you know the the more that we sort of go on here the more if you want to read it this way i think you can see that like Okay, but what like in Frankenstein, the story, he's doing this on his own. Like he's a rogue, brilliant scientist who decides to control life and uh, doesn't go the way he wants it to. Um, but in this one, it's like he's helped by like a corporation <laughs> that exists called Girl in a Box that like helps you use kits to do this horrifying stuff. So it's like not only is he sort of is he sort of named as being implicit in this but like society is as well or like if you want to call it like you know we learn it's like men scientific men running these things or capitalism or whatever but it's like i don't know i feel like it sort of points a finger at like how it's not just it not just one creepy dude he's like aided by a society that wants to help him achieve these unsavory goals (laughs) yeah and there's probably some weird 
element to this girl in a box where it's like not all parts included some assembly required so mm-hmm. they right. they can have plausible deniability it's like right right hey you know yeah. we're just selling this thing we're not right. saying yeah, exactly. that uh that uh, people should go out and dig up body parts or nothing. But if like Elon Musk or somebody like championed this idea, it's like a venture capitalist, you wouldn't be that surprised, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, considering this dude has like 97 children from like, right. He's trying to like th- repopulate the 30 earth. women and he's, and none of his kids want to have anything to do with them. You know, it's kind of a Gregor. He, he is a huge Gregor. Classic Gregor. All right. The Very Merry Unbirthday Song. so cool um just fun frenetic um halfway through changes a little bit uh acoustic bass comes in for the first time uh with an organ and we kind of chill out for a little bit but um i don't know it's a it's the blue-eyed model's birthday here but it's an unbirthday because she's not really alive which is why i think it's the very merry unbirthday song um so again we're kind of like celebrating this thing that for him is like this positive thing but it's like very creepy and disturbing so yeah i mean maybe to him something worth celebrating but (laughs) right moving on um i feel like this is kind of when things start to go a little awry the blue-eyed model and gregor are made for each other outings become a perfect opportunity for gregor to parade his new trophy the beauty of his- yeah parade his new trophy is not a gr- telling phrase about what they might be sort of investigating by telling the story yeah not a not um, a great not a great sentence no but they're going on dates uh they're having a great time <laughs> uh, at least through gregor's lens on the situation and you know we're whistling, things are jaunty, and we're about to break into the next number, which is sort of a country jamboree style sound. Yeah, um, it's a Who Shot Whistler's Mother, mm-hmm. um, which I have, I'll share some thoughts on Ooh. after that, after All we right. listen. Can't wait. Give me these whistlers, mother's thoughts. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe if like we're supposed to think that Gregor is like 
you know, whistling, walking down the street, having a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if that's kind of the image we're supposed to be getting. Yeah, um, I think so. Whistling is super flat. It doesn't it doesn't <laughs> sound great. Yeah, but, that's interesting. But I don't know if it's like that's the point. Also, like I didn't know. I don't know anything about Whistler's mother as as far as like like oh I didn't know like you know the painter's right. mom was was killed. And I'm like, from what I could tell, sh- she wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't totally understand what what it means. No, I don't either. I, I that was one thing that I meant to investigate, and I was like, it's probably nothing. Like I probably would have heard something. I think it's probably just like whistling, Whistler's mother. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I took it. But um, um, hey, but this is something that I learned because mm. that's just the Whistler's mother is just the colloquial name for that painting. Uh-huh. Um, it's actually called arrangement in gray and black number one. Okay. So the guy's name was Whistler though, right? Yes. James Abbott McNeil Whistler. Um, and his mom was Anna McNeil Whistler. And what's her deal? Uh, she's super dead. Okay. Well, it doesn't stop some (laughs) of us. Doesn't stop Gregor. No. Um, Um, but yeah, evidently Whistler's mother the original he was originally going to have her standing for the portrait but you know, she was older a little bit older at this point and she didn't feel like she could stand for as long as he needed to and so interesting it's like had her sit fascinating there you go i vaguely remember an elementary school slideshow in art class where we learned about some famous paintings and this was one of them and i think i learned some of that at the time but haven't thought about any of that and 30 years so yep there um, you go. interesting uh musically here we got that acoustic bass coming back in reminiscent of harley poe sure oh again. for sure uh violent femmes that sound um but then that full electric surf guitar comes in <laughs> it's great um i don't know the whistling is fun i think you're, you're onto something interesting with the like is he whistling? Does it, does the whistling sound reflect that? I don't know. It's interesting. Um, but this is the second longest song on the record at two and a half minutes. Um, <laughs> there's a little breakdown section. That's cool. I don't know. This is a fun one. This is the most sort of like jaunty, you know, in the like narrator's version of this story. It's where he's like on a merry-go-round and in the park with her and like, how dead is she exactly in this scenario? I don't know, but. Anyway, he's having a great time. Yeah, slow it down a little. Ooh. It's getting sexy on like, that merry-go-round. Yeah, it is. Those, Everything the drums do. Those horses are going up and down. <laughs> a little mandolin, maybe? Yep. So cool. It's cool. All right, we got some more classic incel stuff coming up. <laughs> Many will say, in their clever way, that good things cannot last forever, but they are wrong. For Gregor can see no end in sight, no bend around which will appear any other fortune but this one, and that of his own making. The blue-eyed model, there's no mistaking it, is a perfect companion. So very suitable. So, just delightfully... Uh, Lacking 
in any self-awareness and mm-hmm. it's just like no there's nothing that's going to change this there's nothing right. that could go wrong i'm in control this is my mm-hmm. plan yeah um this can last forever and she's suited to me because all she wants to do is listen to me <laughs> and again at least from his perspective <laughs> yeah but it's like that's what we always kind of hear about like i don't know when we're investigating this idea of toxic masculinity or incel culture is like what they're looking for is someone who will just listen to someone who feels that they aren't listened to yeah and even if they're not saying anything it's like well they're perfect for me because they just want to listen to me and hear everything i have to say and it's like probably the woman even if she's like a compendium of dead women (laughs) doesn't want to listen to you Gregor. a couple important things is you know we keep talking about gregor and whether he's the narrator and everything from his perspective and of course we don't get the blue-eyed model's perspective let alone get a name for her right this does even bother to give her a name right it's just like another lack of humanity uh element to this is just like oh it's the blue-eyed model we don't right right. we we don't even need to give her any any like identifying name or anything because you know she's just you know she's just a companion she's just perfect for me because i'm just gonna she's a trophy i'm gonna trot her around right yeah that's a great point that she stays referred to as the blue-eyed model throughout the whole thing yeah um but bad news for gregor bad news comes in threes Mm. Sort of a sinister waltz. Yeah, it's a good, good phrase. Little um, for the song. Sort of fuzzy, distorted yes. bass sound there. Yeah, nice fuzzy bass. This is the most sort of muted song musically, yeah. and it's the longest at three minutes. Um, but when those lyrics come in in a little bit, that's when <laughs> this this how just how sinister it is comes through um he sings i gave you life you'll be my wife and i loved you what will you do for me just kind of (laughs) shouted um and then that moves into i made you i love you and this is what you do to me (laughs) which feels very like pedro i'm a nice guy yeah oh yeah and very pedro yeah um don't you put you know don't yeah put down that telephone you're not going anywhere um but yeah, it's that nice guy thing of like supposedly romantic, but obviously threatening. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, I gave you life. Like, I love you. What are you gonna do for me? Like, I made you, and this is how you thank me. Like, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, it's it this whole thing, yeah. The the 
the waltz aspect of it kind of keeps up this romantic facade he's hoping for but the the sinister nature of everything and how it's not going according to his plan is sort of leaking in from everywhere and i don't know even a a sort of person that literally create won't do exactly what we want them to do Um, yeah a little bit of an ex machina kind of situation like the thing that you create ends up right i don't know surprisingly having a mind of its own and be wanting autonomy and freedom and to not be controlled um so maybe maybe that's part of it maybe uh the blue-eyed models like started having feelings and thoughts of her own or needs and desires of her own and then yeah and he's like how could you want other things other than me i'm so interesting (laughs) i created an electric car (laughs) yep twin peaks Makes me want to get a piece of pie and some coffee. Mm-hmm. Damn good coffee. <laughs> a malfunction can be the only explanation for the fact of such a vile act of misconduct. Gregor will put a stop to this at once by reporting for repairing the glaring glitch to the company that manufactured the blue eyes. You're right. It's we we keep up this sort of noiry trumpet sound, but in the background you can kind of hear that like gets a little like it just sounds. <laughs> creepy Get a little darker um, a little darker you know gregor's perception is that if she quote unquote betrays him by not doing what he wants surely it was a problem with the model not with him right and calls her fractured um you know the the glitch must be repaired so that's where i'm like wait is the does that mean he possibly kills her again or does something violent to her i don't know exactly um but clearly he's not happy with how his model has come together and is gonna at the very least you know try to fix her uh send her back and figure out a way for him to control her even more yeah and when you compare the narrator's tone of voice uh in this bit of dialogue compared to Mm. other earlier sections the sort of you know what we called the sunny disposition does mm. change to sound yeah, a little true. bit more angry and threatening mm, which yeah, sort of right. reinforces the gregor as the the narrator of yeah. the story because he's right clearly frustrated and angry yeah. a malfunction can be the only explanation for the fact of such a vile act of misconduct Gregor will put a stop to this at once by reporting for repairing the glaring glitch to the company that manufactured the blue eyes. Very upset. Yeah, that little toy piano yeah. suggests things are not not all well. And yeah, of course, it's malfunction. Yes, that can be the only, yep, the only only thing to the play. only possible explanation. Um, a hero and his friends. Hmm. 
I love all the these guitar tones. So cool. Such a fun one. Little bendy. Um, I just love yeah. it all. I love it too. Um, yeah, it's just again walking that line of like it's never not sort of creepy or spooky, but it's all fun. <laughs> like all the songs are so fun, uh, and this is no exception. Um, which makes sense because, like, again, if we're going from the sort of narrator perspective, we're back in sort of bouncy mode because he's like, "I'm the hero. Uh, I'm gonna get." things are going to work out okay you know the lyrics are things will turn out in the end for our hero and his friends and again you're like is it sarcastic because it's like about gregor or is it from gregor's perspectives perspective will things turn out for him because this this kind of guy runs things in the real world or like gets away with it you know what i mean like again the sort of nice guy like always used to getting their way sort of so like he's confident that he's going to be able to still sort of stay on top um even though he's not much of a hero and doesn't really have any friends or seem to have any friends so i don't know i'm I've, i'm wondering if the hero obviously is gregor and his friends i'm wondering are the people who provide people like yeah. gregor with these right. girls in a box like yeah you know, the, the, the people yeah. in power, the people who right. are in control, whether it's yeah, totally the ones selling the bot, the girls or the ones building them. It's like, you yep. know what? He's like, it's going to be all right because this one didn't work, but maybe there's right. always another one. Maybe there's totally another model. The The album starts with the blue eyed model um, mm. and it ends with the blue eyed model. So maybe he's like, yep. I'll just get another one. I'll just get yep. a new blue-eyed model. Just, right. just replace yep. this old one, get a new one. We'll start over. Yeah, I think however you sort of read the analogy here, I feel like it's undeniable that sort of the idea of looking at women as disposable and of models that we can discard when we when they aren't being controlled by us and that the hero and his friends are the ones who get their way and who control things. I mean, that's... yeah that's just kind of baked into this story and yeah like like you said it's it's disturbing and it's maybe more complex than you initially think and you wouldn't necessarily expect a christian band from the early 2000s to be achieving this kind of sort of what i view as like gender and social commentary um often again for a scene that typically doesn't do women very well in their sort of thematic analogies they tend to employ so yeah. i don't know it's a I, i'm like encouraged in this case to hear young men from this world expressing this kind of thing even though what they're expressing is like very disturbing right it suggests a an awareness of like gender dynamics and social realities yeah, yeah. should we uh close out with the last bit of dialogue and then the closing track let's do it after a barrage of tests, Gregor agrees it's best to willingly go with the technicians, but this acquiescence is under the pretense of ruling out human error as a component in the assembly process. So, yep. he's like, I mean, yeah, we'll I'll, I'll, I'll listen to the uh, the engineers because, like, I don't know, just like it couldn't have been me. Got to rule right. out that this is my fault, but it probably yeah. wasn't my fault. So, right. the engineers from the company are confident they can fix the problem, which is 
ominous. Yep. <laughs> um, and the engineers again could be like the engineers of our society. Um, uh, women are becoming a problem. Um, perhaps we outlaw abortion <laughs> just to throw an example out there. Yeah. Um, they can fix this problem of them getting out of line. We're going to, we're going to stay on top. I don't know. Again, maybe some people are listening to this and being like, guys, I, you're overreaching. This is not what I heard, but I'm like, I feel like you can't not understand it in this way. So yeah. I don't know. It just feels very, it's a very ominous conclusion. Wait, so you think people are, would be like, Andrew, John, you're reading far too much into these lyrics. <laughs> Well, it's kind of our deal. So that's our deal. Also, it's like, get off what, are we gonna, what are we going to do with an album with no lyrics? Well, we found a way to talk about it for a long time. So, <laughs> all right. Um, now we got that, got that choir back, but yeah, for did. quite a bit longer. Yes. this time it doesn't get interrupted so quickly as it does in the first version um so it starts the same way as the same titled song in the opening but um again sort of heavenly feeling yeah but after all that even more sort of ominous and foreboding in a way too yeah there's like a a grief in it for sure so it's like perhaps she went back to rest uh these multiple women that made up this woman went back to rest. Um, and there's like a sort of peace in that. Um, but also does it suggest the next cycle, you know, it starts again in the same way. Yeah. With another woman or women. I don't know. I, I also get, again, this is my sort of twin peaks <laughs> read on this thing, but the movie twin peaks fire walk with me is about Laura Palmer. Who's killed in the series and the movie sort of investigates her life and it ends with we know that she's dead so this is not a spoiler but it ends with her like essentially going to heaven and it ends with her and like with this angel in this like space and it's this like very it's like joyous in a way because it's like oh she finally is sort of relieved of this pain has moved on but it's also undercut with this real like creepiness and that feels this feels very similar vibe to me so anyway i don't know it's yeah it's like a a haunting and pretty and sort of chilling way to close the record too yeah i think morning feels like yeah the best um yeah but it, it makes me wonder though like who is the one who is the one that's mourning here like mm. gregor might be like disappointed and uh because he thought she was perfect and ideal and mm. uh maybe the blue-eyed model we don't we don't know because this is not from her perspective we don't know in what state of awareness she is in um yeah right so could it be like she's needs to be fixed and so she's you know maybe mourning i don't know that's we don't have a 
there's just right. only so much we can infer but yeah it's definitely not like a, a cheery happy ending for no no it's not anyone uh, yeah this this whole album is like so fascinating i find it such a like interesting mix of like super fun like i think you can throw on these songs like if you're just listening to one or two at a time and just like rock out and have a great time if you're taking in the whole thing together as you're saying as a piece i think you can still have fun with the songs but like you have to kind of take it as a whole and like concept album doesn't even cover that's not what this is it's like a it's an expression of a story told through this album and so yeah i don't know i I'm, i'm very impressed with like the way they're able to bounce back and forth between really, really fun instrumentation, levity, like you're saying, seriousness when it sort of requires that. And ultimately like a pretty, like, I don't know, profound and upsetting statement. I really think they pull it off effectively. And I don't know, it sort of calls to mind, like I said, I feel like I've seen versions of sort of like plays or theaters doing something like this to like, you know different degrees of success but i feel like if i saw this performed live with all this with all these elements dude i'd be like wow they really told like a really interesting unique story here and i feel like uh you know mercury radio theater did so i found it very fascinating to listen to i really like them a lot um i really like all their albums so if folks like this i suggest digging into more um you know maybe next next year we'll talk uh werewolf uh episode um but uh yeah i'm fascinated to hear if people uh are into these guys uh if they knew them or saw them if they still follow them um i would love for them to continue playing shows and see them somehow but yeah um yeah if uh if folks have particular insight into this record or other albums of theirs of this band i'd be happy to hear them i'd love to hear kind of um you know buddy mercury or the band's perspective on what we shared today and whether he get him on the pod. agreed or disagreed but uh get him on the pod if you're out there buddy hit us up um and you can also hit us up magpod nation at magnified pod on instagram facebook and twitter follow and subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and give us a rating a review five stars please we will read your review on the pod you can email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763-8727 magpod. You can support us over at the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash magnifiedpod, where this month we will have a special watch-along spooky campy movie yes. commentary episode. We will have a Zoom hangout this month we're, we're planning on. So All for Patreon, folks. For that. Yes, Patreon punk exclusives. Um, but not exclusively, but for everyone, you could pick up some season four merch and some Magnified Pod merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com. We got shirts, posters, mugs, water bottles, sweatshirts. Get that Phantom Cackler merch. Represent our Ow. mysterious and wonderful dude. That werewolf reclamation. werewolf reclamation project. That's right. Um, thanks to Small Step Records for sponsoring us. Go to smallstepperecords.com to learn more. And thanks to Shadow Producer Jason and Bruno at Unoriginal Vinyl for our artwork. Well, I think I hear the voice of the spirit begging us to shut the fuck up. We'll be back to try to make you go astray next week when we'll discuss SS Bounty Hunters Serpents for Eggs.
Squiddly dee dee skiddly boop papa deep. I hope you're taking notes for when we form our our horror surf punk band. Um well, yes, I think the difference with our horror surf punk band is that uh we're gonna be singing about the things, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh you know, surfing vampires and and <laughs> werewolves rocking on guitar and yeah, you know, you're not going to leave bummed out about the state of humanity. No. You're going to have a great time because we're going to be rocking with these monsters, yes. just encouraging them in their monsterdom and having a great time. <laughs> yeah, we want them to feel affirmed. We want them to feel um, proud. We want them to feel yeah. supported and loved because they're allies to the monster community <laughs> at Magnify Pod. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.